Hello and welcome to this weekend episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Kyle, and along with my good friends and colleagues who are still named Reese and Armando, we'll be breaking down anything and everything regarding Royals, Chiefs, and Sporting Kansas City. Today, we turn to a recap and analysis of Sporting's final group match in the MLS's back tournament against RSL, our arch enemies. Actually, we could we could have a nice debate about who our arch enemies are. Maybe that's for a separate podcast, but I think it's RSL. Sanchez. Could be. <laughs> Houston yeah. Astros. The game that solidified our spot in the knockout round and gave us a first place finish in our group, and dare I say, the game that turned us from a bitter, negative place of podcasting doom toward a life of positivity and optimism for the next great era of sporting Kansas City. What can I say? We're an emotional roller coaster here at FCSM. Now, I want to talk about this morning the fact that yesterday was a morning match, and today we're recording a morning episode. How does this affect our mood? How does this affect our camaraderie? Um, I had to wake up an hour earlier than I normally wake up, so I'm a little but I am ready to roll. Usually in the morning after my coffee, I'm like feeling it. You know what I mean? Like like the wheels are turning, but they're always turning at night too, especially after a couple beers. So uh, yeah, I'm I am a little peeved today. I think you're just a wheels turning kind of guy, my dude. No, I mean, you know me. I, I get, like, super chill during the day and stuff, but uh, getting up this early, I haven't done it in, like, a couple weeks. It's uh, it's a new feeling for me, guys. New feeling. Hot Take Mondo is going to turn to Cold Take Mondo today. I think it's good for us. Cold Shoulder. Just, I'm, I'm going to be cold, cold Shoulder Mondo today. Cold Shoulder Mondo. Listen, <laughs> you know me. You know I like to foster a little conflict. You know a little bit of healthy argument is good for our friendship. It's nice. If he gets to be cold shoulder, Mondo, can I be cold brew, Reese? Because let me tell you what, I got about like 50 cc's of that stuff <laughs> running through my veins right now. Uh, but the excitement and the electricity cannot be understated. I'm like double going right now from the caffeine and from the fact that we finally put together a complete game in the MLS's back tournament. Dear listeners, I need you to know before we move into this match that as we're on the video chat together... Reese's man bun is just a Mount Vesuvius fount of epicness as he gets into his cold brew consumption. Oh dog, this is this is how I went to this is how I went to bed last night and just woke up this morning. I have like what was Angelica's doll's name and Rugrat? I look like Cynthia right now. It's just like sticking up to whatever it wants to do. Deep cut. Reese is on my Mount Rushmore of of man buns. Swag. All right, so let's talk about. The pre-match. Now, I gotta say, after our game against Colorado, I went into this one with less trepidation, um, obviously. But still, going into the match, I wasn't certain that we would turn in the performance that we did. Um, The biggest change, at least the biggest story in terms of formation, had to do with flipping Johnny Russell and Kyrie Shelton. So that Shelton came up the left, Russell up the right, and... Vermees also started Graham Smith instead of Matt Beasler and Busio in for Kinda to start the match. Biggest story for RSL, at least to my memory, or at least sort of what they were talking about pre-match, was the fact that they were missing Albert Rusnak, which I believe the RSL fans will help justify why they lost. They also justify why they lost because they're Real Salt Lake and they're garbage. Oh, oh here's that morning take. Reese. No disrespect to the city of Salt Lake City and anyone affiliated. That is a wonderful, clean, beautiful city. Uh, is it, though? Is it, though? 
Can't say the same about their craft beer scene, though. And considering this is a craft beer podcast and a sporting Kansas City podcast, right now, Salt Lake City, you're not a friend of the podcast. They also poisoned Michael Jordan. They also poisoned Michael Jordan. <laughs> I Cold shoulder for- Mondo. I, I motion for a carte blanche to just shit on Salt Lake whenever we want to. Dude, I'm fe- Salt Lake might become like up there with rest in peace Oakland, uh, Denver as it does not pertain to beer but sports, and uh, who else do we really hate? The city. Well, we don't hate Houston the city Astros. The Houston Astros. So. Since we, when we, did you become conciliatory, Reese? You guys are always getting on me for becoming all PC. <laughs> No, we're gonna make we're gonna make like a sinister six of sports teams and cities and just like who's on that list. We'll have to narrow it down. <laughs> there we go. We're gonna make like the League of Shadows of enemy cities. <laughs> exactly. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Except there, you must never go there. <laughs> never go to Denver. <laughs> they say the ghost of Peyton Manning still haunts the hallway. <laughs> yeah, watch out. So in the first minute. Just a dink, dink, dink goal from Johnny Russell. And uh, that was incredible. Johnny Russell seemed to be more effective from the right side in this game as opposed to the left. I don't know why he seemed to get, you know, more better takes put in from the right side. And also, I felt like he wasn't getting as attacked as much as when he played on the left. And considering he seems to be dealing with some serious, like, conditioning issues right now, I thought it was a pretty good move for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was that, a, a a great strategy by Peter Vernese as well, like just just come out guns blazing. It totally caught RSL off guard as well. I think they were drinking whatever Reese is drinking this morning, whatever that cold brew is from roast hashtag roastery. If if roastery is listening, friend of the podcast, I bet roastery sent some some really good. Uh, what's that one coffee I love? Bet is Betty's recipe is that what it's called, Reese? Betty's blend slaps, but they straight up have. Like a, a sporting Kansas City blend. Oh, okay. Then that's what they use. That's what happened. Conspiracy Mondo. They sent them all that like Space Jam, Michael Jordan juice, got them rolling, and they went guns blazing in the first ten minutes of the match. It was a very smart move by Peter Vermees. Loved it. Caught him off guard. Let's go. Let's talk about the changes in chemistry from those first two matches. This match, I observed a good mix in our defending. I thought we found a nice combination of tight on-ball defense, but also a general bend-don't-break approach when it came to defending the fast break. I thought that our confidence was better. I thought that our trust in each other was better. And honestly, I thought our swag was better, man. It seemed like we were relaxed. It seemed like the guys had woken up at 6, drank their cold brew, got out to the warm-ups. Like, we were chilling. It was great. I actually was a little concerned when after the first goal had happened because RSL was making a lot of great runs when they got the ball. They they were really pushing up the field, and I felt like they had time of possession like way more than we did in that first half. Um, so I was actually kind of scared and very surprised that they didn't. They only got one shot on goal the entire game because I felt like they had a lot of momentum after those first ten minutes. Um, but I guess to your point, Kyle, I think that chemistry really buckled them down um, to really defend RSL's runs. Uh, but I was pretty nervous actually in that first half. Yeah, this is uh, going to be really interesting because I don't think it's the best we've played. I still think the best we've looked is going to be that first half up to about the 50th minute against Minnesota. 
However, as far as chemistry goes and having people come off of the bench strategically, I think this is the best lineup we've played chemistry-wise. I liked having Gerso on the bench. Uh, guys like Pulido, I felt, were able to kind of stay a little bit more in it without gassing themselves too soon. Uh, other players like Felipe Hernandez really showed up late. Zussi got like, we got the best out of Zussi while we could. I thought it was a good chemistry combination. And Armando, to your point, I want to bring up that you're not dreaming on the possession front. Even at the end of the game, the final possession stat was 58 to 42 in favor of Real Salt Lake. Wow. However, I think that that also could be related to my initial point that we had to spend a good portion of this game defending and looked largely comfortable defending, even though I'll agree with you, there were some scary moments, but we didn't look panicked. Let's return to the, (laughs) the, uh, the resounding refrain of our second episode in this young sporting Kansas city series we got going here. And that's Reese's hot takes regarding the field of refereeing. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about the changes in refereeing of this game. So, Technically, the same amount of yellow cards in the in, in the first half of this game, and we even got a little yellow happy in the second half, but a much different field of the game. Break that down for us. Okay. Uh, first off, Armando, did you say referees? I said, <laughs> I love that. No, I said refing Reese, but referees is great. Oh, okay, referees. cool. Yeah, I, I'd, officially, <laughs> I, I'd like to motion to have my name be referees. We have Hot Take Mondo and referees. Better, better than Reefer Reese. I yeah, was gonna say if you, if you move to if you move to the Sprangs, <laughs> referees. Yeah, definitely. So here's the thing I saw with officiating so far. I wrote in this one it was a poor officiating game as well. I had a lot of notes of like there's a missed call, there's a missed call, there's a missed call, but it w- wasn't the same as the other guy who was like, let me see like how much I can rile him up to see who does like the most egregious penalty before there's a straight up homicide on my field. This one was another. This was like side B. They'll give you three examples of like what makes a bad official. This one was different than the other one. This one, he was waiting too long to blow his whistle. He was waiting too long to decide on an obvious yellow. You know, a yellow that happens and like that should just be a card right out of the pocket right away. And like he, he blows the whistle. He'll run over there and he's kind of thinking about it and then he pulls it out and it's like, come on, man, you have to know this. I wrote, and we'll come back to this one later, maybe a pk at 43 but otherwise let, let, let's get into that right now reese that's that's perfect i mean that that that's sort of the case in point i think of what you're saying it is it is it is so the pk at 43 initially from the camera view i couldn't tell where the referee was sitting but from the camera view it looked like we took that guy out in the box and i mean i stood up and i was like oh jeez i'm like this is how we're going i'm like this is the same thing as letting in a dink dunk goal is just having a stupid foul like that in the box late in the half but when I saw some more angles and I saw some more people talking about it on Twitter and such, it did bring to my attention that the uh, Real Salt Lake player took a step off the trajectory of the ball to take the hit instead of going after the ball. So the reason the referee maybe didn't call that was that he was playing for the foul and not playing for the ball because he knew he was going to get beat to the ball or the, the ball was going to get past him and uh, wind up being a goal kick pulled a james harden you could make the same point on the potential missed pk on shelton too where there was a reason that shelton in the moment didn't even argue the fact that it was a no call even though when you look at the replay i mean that easily could have been a pk and, and maybe should have been a pk both ways however i appreciate that the ref called both of those the same so it's it's closer to just you know 50 50 right 
that that was consistent, yeah, and I, I appreciate him not, you know, equalizing the game right before half and doing that, because that changed the entire tone of the game after. I know it's right before halftime, but teams come out, instead of us being up 1-0 and maybe trying to add another goal, we're playing 1-1 one, one, and we're just trying to hold a tie. Hold on, boys. This is cold shoulder Mondo coming in. I disagree with you guys. I think that the goalie went straight for Sheldon's legs and didn't play the ball at all. That should have been a PK. Cold shoulder Mondo coming after the goalie. I, I think it looked like he played the ball on Shelton because he had his hands in a position that he was, you know, you know when you make the, uh, I don't know what kind of sign this is. It's an emoji. Uh, the two hands with connected by the thumbs emoji. He was doing that in trajectory of the ball, unlike when Melia straight up took that dude out in our first game. He had like one arm down and one arm up and was just looking to bring the dude down. I forget, uh, what was that? spectacular foul uh early on in the first half where it was just like just a hedge your bets yellow i want to say i want to say it was martin's first first big foul when when he got his yellow the very last thing that i'll say about the the officiating in the game i think what sums it up in one sentence it's like he was watching an obvious foul letting it play and then waiting for a retaliation foul before blowing his whistle which is weird. I mean, I know they always say in sports, like in the NFL, you know, it's always the second guy who's going to get the personal foul. But it's almost like it was scripted into his brain. One foul is fine. The second foul is what has to be called. It's like, oh, it doesn't work that way, man. Let's sing the praises a little bit of Tim Melia. Tim Melia, I love you. I love you every day. I don't like Sanchez. Glad you came our way. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Armando in the morning, everyone. That was just off the cuff. That That is sober Mondo, coffeed Mondo, cold <laughs> shoulder Mondo to Sanchez. I mean, what a difference between these games and me like shaking in my boots whenever whenever someone was going to shoot the ball on Sanchez, where Sanchez seemed to always want to play the ball. He was always running up, where there was a perfect example in this game where like it was Melia against like two defenders, and Melia doesn't go up and try to swat the ball he's really trying to play towards the goal and i'm like thank you and shout out to our boy mila hashtag friend of the podcast he currently holds the mls season record with 316 minutes without a goal scored on him so Melia, we miss you we missed you sorry we love you sanchez go hit that training room the great wall of sporting kansas city let's go let's also give a uh, a brief I don't want to say a brief cold shoulder, but a brief uh, dubious look uh, to Martins uh, and his defensive performance in this last game. There were just many anxious moments from him that I didn't really observe from any of the rest of our squad. And I guess that's to be expected on a on a day when we all play relatively well, even given that we lost possession. But, I mean, we still wound up with a 2-0 victory. There's going to be somebody who doesn't have quite such a good day, so maybe I'm kind of picking it apart a little bit to look for something to be negative about. I don't think so. I still don't think the defense played very well, by and large. Martins, like you said, wasn't looking good. Elia wasn't playing well, and he hasn't played well through these first three games. I think in the offseason, you know, we went out, we got Kinda, we got Polito. I think this season we really need to find a way to get some new defensive players back then because it's not a matter of formation. I just think it's a matter of talent back there. But also I want to say that we did go out and get Punchech, who has played really well, so we're partially on the way. But I agree that we need to bolster it more. It's been a weak spot the last couple seasons. For sure. 
I, I had my head when we were watching this game. I'm just like, yo, we really need to make some adjustments at halftime because Real Salt Lake was killing us, you know, on possession time, as we said. And I don't know, does that come from the midfield not playing well enough to kind of be a wall to the defense? Because it kind of felt like we were just trying to get the ball up to our strikers and trying to make something happen with that. And there was kind of, you know, step one, question mark, profit. I don't know. I thought uh, I thought maybe Espinosa looked slightly gassed in our game yesterday, but um, I didn't see any glaring problems with the midfield. I think some of that has to do with the tidal wave of the game after an early goal. Um, obviously, when you're down immediately, a good response by RSL is to play possession and to play conservatively and try to keep possession of the ball as much as possible instead of trying to desperately hit, hit back and try to counter at least that's a valid strategy so I think I think it's not necessarily a huge alarm bell that we lost possession so also we weren't even that far off 50 percent so it's not it's not huge for me well we did a much better job maintaining possession in the second half and that's what's been most encouraging about this game as opposed to everything else throughout the tournament, was I watched us get better throughout this game instead of watching us fade through this game. It really felt like a long time, especially in that first half. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, this is going to be the same old song and dance. Salt Lake's going to poke one through at an inopportune time, and we're going to be too gassed to counter it. But, man, those adjustments we made in the second half, those substitutions we made in the second half, I wouldn't say it was a game of two halves, but in terms of our play, I was very encouraged by what I saw. Totally. And the game got even chippier in the second half, more yellows left and right, and it still didn't break us down. So for Conspiracy Reese and Cold Shoulder Mondo, would RSL throw this game to avoid playing Columbus? It it wound up being a moot point because Minnesota tied their match, and so Minnesota gets matched up with Columbus. I don't actually think, to clarify, that they would throw the game, but I couldn't stop thinking of it because I was just imagining you watching the game from another state and just, you know, stewing the conspiracy, right? I don't think they would throw it because these group games are still season points. So, you know, they were playing for three points in the long run for the real prize, you know, the MLS Cup, instead of... Would you rather win the group, lose to Columbus in a tournament that doesn't matter in the long run, and lose no points on the season? I mean, I wouldn't want to play Columbus, and watching last night's game, I was rooting really hard for uh, Colorado to pull that through so we wouldn't have to play Columbus, which, by the way, uh, semi-talking basis of the podcast, Colorado Rapids. I don't think it was conspiracy at all. Like, this was a very tough game, even though on paper it's 2-0. Like, this was still a tough game because of time of possession and because of the speed and because of our lack of defense. Um, it still looked like a great game, and it looked like RSL was trying to score. Um, we just had some lucky breaks. We had some really great defensive structures when it came out when they were trying to score a goal. Um, so definitely not a conspiracy. I think that RSL played a really tough game, and it was a very, like... A satisfying win in that respect. Yeah, that's a really good point, Armando. Salt Lake played way too hard for them to have thrown the game. Nobody is that good at, like, faking a hard loss. Another question for you guys. I have really enjoyed the ease and the joy with which Polito facilitates. We talked about that in, in, in the last game. My question is, are teams actually scared of him? Is he really an effective decoy for our other weapons, or just it does it just have to do with the fact that maybe we haven't found that team chemistry yet and it just the goals aren't really pouring in quite yet 
Oh, I think the the commentators on TV are talking far too much about Polito for him not to be an extremely feared weapon that people are just circling every game. Because you have to remember, he'd maybe not be getting goals, but correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't he have a goal or an assist in every game we've played so far this season? Yes, yes he sir. has three goals, three assists. That tells me that he's getting his, and when he can't get his, he's going to share the wealth. And it, it's funny, the number of times I watched in this game where he had a guy kind of, you know, uh, you know, on the far side, maybe streaking or maybe playing for position. He's kind of like, hit me, I'm open. And Polito would like kick it in front of him, behind him, or to the corner. He's like, I'm not going to kick it to where you think you need it. I'm going to kick it to where I know you need it. I'm glad to hear you guys say that because uh, I'm a huge fan and I think that he's upping the level and the creativity in our team. Reese, to, to your point, Pulido is very versatile, so I don't think he's being used as a decoy. Like like you said, he can do both. Like that last uh, goal that Gerso made, I mean, Pulido sets it up perfectly to him on the right side. Um, so not that people think that he's just going to score all the time, but that he sets players up in perfect positions. He's such a versatile player that we needed this year. Um, so I thought it was great. I think people are going to look at look for him now in the knockout round to do either. And I think you can see, too, the number of times that players are doing hard fouls on him, too. You know, they're, they're really looking to do something to throw him off his rhythm or take him out of his game. I'm not going to stand here on my soapbox and say Polito is the straight-up best player in the MLS, and if you disagree, you're wrong. But I think Polito is the most dangerous offensive player by a wide margin in the MLS, and teams know that. Ooh, Ooh bring the action, Reese. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Colbert Reese. Alan Polito, we're going to tag you in this episode friend of the podcast so let's talk about the clean sheet historically our record against rsl is just trash over the last few seasons but as they said in the pre-match we get them when we need to uh so obviously the 2013 mls cup victory is huge also we played them in the semis a couple seasons back we've had some really classic victories against rsl even even though they've had our number in sort of the long grind of the season play so the clean sheet against them is doubly important there. And also given the fact that dating back to last season, we've just let been letting the goals pour in even, even when we do win. And so the fact that we were able to pull off this 2-0 victory is really big for us going forward. I think it's a big confidence boost, and I think it's exactly the right time. Regardless of the outcome of the round of 16, I think going forward back into the grind of the rest of the season, then going into the MLS Cup playoffs, I think this, this new sturdier defense is going to be huge for us i think that's fair uh i think actually as you alluded to earlier on in the podcast i think some of the substitutions we made in that midfield actually wound up uh, bolstering the defense some i mean felipe hernandez played so well he was tenacious he was like a shadow you could not shake even if there was no sunlight it's crazy and then kinda coming in from buzio buzio did fine. I understand why they played him, but Kinda coming in with those fresh legs in the second half, you can see he was a step to a step and a half faster than anybody around him. Gerso coming in, I know, you know, he's not technically playing a, like a true midfield position, but how much, you know, of a motor guy did he add, not to mention a goal? And then Shallowy in for Shelton, I'm not going to argue with that. I think the results speak for themselves. Absolutely. And I want to mention really quickly, 
Busio's only 18. He's only going to get better. And so the fact that he put in a good match and then we're able to bring in Kinda. Similarly, you pointed out the good play of Hernandez. He's coming in for Espinosa, who's the most, you know, one of the more experienced leaders on the team. So the fact that he could come in and acquit himself that well, I think that uh, we may have to take back a little bit of our trash talking on Vermees's substitutions. And perhaps it was chalked up to the COVID-19 issues, the lack of chemistry because players were unable to warm up together to train together i think uh yeah i can't say enough positive things about our substitutions this game well i don't know how much of this has to do with the substitutions versus maybe just gelling or maybe just wanting it more but man this was the game we seemed to be in best match shape ironically considering we were playing it you know 8 a.m in the morning yeah you think the guys would be sluggish and maybe in the first half they were but when it came down to like you know late in the game the 70th 80th 90th minutes i almost felt like our team was you know in better match shape than their team was we were still running we were still dogging we were still putting pinpoint passes on there so final shout out uh, of this match to gerso for just a killer icy goal to end the game and i mean just a great finish top left side net fantastic like like you alluded to armando great setup from pulido um just clinical finishing uh just a clinical move on the defender to get a final look at goal really really great and 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 nice to see a sub uh come in and really um, execute that within a few minutes of getting subbed in we got james harden coming off the bench circa 2012 thunder Oh, don't hurt me like that, Reese. Blam, 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 blam. So, some parting shots from this uh, set of group stage analysis podcasts. What have we learned? What's most important going forward? How huge is it that we clawed back to first place in the group as we go into the knockout stage? Yeah, I, what a shocker that we are in first place. If you guys recall our first episode, I mean, we were talking about, you know, just barely getting in. Going into this game, we're like, God, I hope we just tie this game so that we can go into the knockout round. Going from from that first game against Minnesota to now being in first place in this pool, uh, a shocker for me. Love it. All the things that we've been saying, right? Good chemistry, great offense. Players are coming into their own. Um, I'm a little nervous still with our defense. I think that's our biggest weakness right now. But with Melia back, it makes me a little less nervous. Um, But what a wonderful surprise. Cold shoulder Mondo is now becoming lovely shoulder Mondo. You're getting some of that Shaq Icy Hot rubbing into that shoulder, bruh. (laughs) (laughs) We are not sponsored by them, so I won't talk about it yet. There's quite a bit of math that still needs to play out before we know our knockout stage opponent in this last day of group stage matches. But mathematically, it's possible for us to play Seattle, Chicago, Houston, maybe even LA Galaxy, although they've been playing horribly. Uh, so it's it's a big question mark who that's going to be. I think we can unequivocally say that I would prefer any of those four opponents to Columbus. And we also already know if, uh, if we get past that round, knock on wood, we'll play the winner of Philadelphia and New England, which in terms of the rest of the teams that we already know in the knockout stage, I don't mind that matchup either. So I think we've got a really good chance to make it to the semis of this tournament just on the pure fact that we made it to the first place in the group stage. I think that's a really good point to make, uh, especially since, you know, what have we learned about the group stage? I will redact my statement thinking that Group F was going to be the group of death going into this, and we were for sure the group of death. We ran four teams deep that should have advanced. If Colorado wasn't in fourth place, I think they technically would advance by goal differential and group points scored. Am I wrong in thinking that? That's correct. So that just shows how deep we ran. 
Uh, we really made it through the gauntlet. We really should have beaten Minnesota. We did beat the other two teams in our schedule. I'm feeling pretty confident going forward, going back to my pre-tournament guess, that we would be one of two or three teams in this tournament who's really in it to win it, and we definitely seem to be that way right now. Love that. And as in all things MLS, anything can happen and anything does happen. So we all look forward to seeing who our groups, who are, excuse me, who our knockout round opponent is going to be. And uh, we'll bring you a reaction cast to that when it happens. All right, everybody. uh, Thank you for tuning in to this round of reaction podcasts to our group stage in the MLS is back tournament. Please don't forget to subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Subscribe to our Patreon if you feel so inclined. And thank you for being our sort of first round of listeners as we get this thing off the ground. Thank you, as always, to Kansas City Bands, Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for our intro and outro material. Go check their stuff out. And as always, stay safe out there. And we look forward to chatting with you after our knockout round game. Let's go.